I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive rate shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy bye week. Happy bye week, indeed. The fighting buys are in town. I don't necessarily think they're going to be a challenge, but stranger things have happened, I guess. I mean, we, beat, we did beat Clemson, so... We did beat Clemson. I guess the Vegas odds are probably around the same. Yeah, the Vegas odds say... Uh, actually, the Vegas odds... I've only crept up to 11 and a half. They started at 10. Um, seems that there's uh, some sneakiness going on in the desert uh, for the fight and buys. The fight and buys did, uh, did sort of test Clemson last week, actually. They, uh, they lost 27 to 24. It was, a, uh, it was a rough go for the Tigers, but nonetheless, the Tigers pulled it out. Uh, fight and buys fall to 0 and 8 on the season. Well, when you have Kelly Bryant playing in a little or a layer cast, um... You know, I don't know what they expected, but Dabo just does not want to put Hunter Johnson in there for some reason. He just refuses. I mean, I feel like there was some some mix of hope and faith there for him. That just the hope and faith were telling him that he needed to he needed to start Kelly Bryant no matter what. He's just dead. He's just a senior. You got to play your seniors, or else you know something. I don't know what, but seniors. Seniors, seniors, indeed. Uh, in that case, you would think that hope and faith would also tell Dino Babers to. Uh, to start uh, Zach Mahoney, but not not the case for us, thankfully. No, we have, we have a coach that you know he's a, he's a man of science. <laughs> he's a man of and science. As long as the science isn't like uh, Eric Dungey might be concussed. Which, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess I don't want to speak. I guess I don't want to speak too ill of uh, of guts and hope and faith and all that because uh, when when I look at the Eric Dungey we saw at the end of last week's game, <laughs> I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if clearer, you know, minds would uh, would necessarily toss that in. He was more grit than quarterback at that point, but he was still plodding along and, and somehow had us in position to win the game, despite the fact that he looked like Greg Paulus against USF uh, in the first half. I'm not even doubting the staff. I just think that there was just a... There, there was a real just kind of throwing him to the wolves aspect to everything by like halfway through that game. And uh, again... Not, not doubting the staff, but I'm definitely a bit concerned with our abilities to just kind of say, eh, he'll be fine. Like, when you think about Eric Dungey's injury history. Yeah, it is almost like, it's like weirdly funny in a, in a perverse way how we do play him. Like, he's this, like, indestructible uh, guy who's never left a game. Like, he's Brett Favre. And instead, he's, like, up to this point up in his career, like, his injuries were the main focus, aside from, like, some good moments. Uh, which is nice that he's like kind of flipped the strip and now he, we focus on him as like a great quarterback, but um, still like lingering in the back of my head every time he tucks and runs or, you know, takes off, although he has been, as we, we pointed a lot, like he's been way smarter with how he takes hits. And, and uh, aside from a drop kicking or like flying knee, uh, squirrel kicking uh, defenders occasionally, God. like he, he has, which I was like both very like annoyed and also like thought about it for a second, like that was kind of awesome. <laughs> No, you see, I, I felt like that one was awesome because it was a calculated risk. I felt like the second time he did it was not a calculated risk. No, that was dumb. 
Um, like you weren't jumping him. It wasn't going to happen. <laughs> like so. <laughs> no one's ever going to go low on Eric Dungey again because they know they're going to like you either You can go low on him. You can just go high on him and still gonna try to jump over right. you. Right. That's why. Because like you, you either go low on him and you're either going to get hurdled or you might get kicked in the face and made a meme of. So it's just not worth it. Just You're just going to wrap him up up high. Right. Yeah, and like I said, this isn't to criticize Eric Dungey. I felt like I felt like while he did throw four interceptions in the first half, I'd say two of them weren't his fault. Two of them might not have been his fault. I mean, Dino says they weren't his fault. I feel like two of them were probably his fault. Um, two of them were not. Um, so with that in mind, like I don't think it was as bad. And when you consider the drops and everything else, like I counted like let's say let's say conservatively seven passes that should have been completions. So then in that case, you're looking at like almost a 50% clip on the day, um, if not higher. And when you look at like how well he, well he ran, like he didn't have a terrible day, even if he didn't punch it in the end zone. No, he had a great running game, um, 20 for, for 100 yards, some huge, huge runs. Um, the team wasn't going to be close without him, even with the four interceptions and, and a pretty spotty first half. Right. Um, like, he was, again, like, Strickland had a great game, and, and Moniel was nice in spots, and, you know, we had some good moments from Irv and Ishmael, but, but even in a bad, probably, like, statistically the worst performance of his career as a starter, like, Dungey was still the reason why um, this team was in the game late in the fourth quarter. Statistically is, one of yeah. our worst performances, like, since Babers has arrived, and yet, I know, like, looking at Bill's numbers, I think it was the worst performance, and yet yeah. still tested a top, like, and that's what's weird, like, I wish, like, I wish I could have like a 10 minute conversation with Bill on it and just be like, I know you probably don't know the answer here and that's fine. You shouldn't. But like, how, how do you quantify a team that never plays up to expectations and yet almost always tests their opponent? It is weird. It does seem like it's uh, I just noticed that the culture uh, subreddit at this, sorry, a total aside has Dino and Dabo in like a weird Flintstones uh, thing. Oh yeah. That, that, that um, started like a week ago. I figured that's hilarious. Anyway, um, who's the baby? Oh, that's Butch Jones. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to have derailed in the middle of my own thought. That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, the, he, you know, Bill just puts things in so the numbers do what they will. And we've kind of, I think you had a really good explainer on why um, the numbers don't like, like Syracuse. Uh, it's still kind of jarring every week to see how low they are but i mean it really does come down to efficiency because that's such a, a huge metric and this offense while it even when it succeeds it does it in kind of like janky um ways versus like an offense like if you watch oklahoma state beat up on someone like they just move the ball so and chunks not texas and, yeah not texas like any, at all. anyone texas, anyone except for texas yeah i mean texas has um a really talented defense that is starting to come together so i, I get that but if you saw like the Oklahoma State versus Pitt game, which obviously is a, a much, you know, that's like one of the ideal games, honestly, for any offense. But you just saw, like, consistency and the ball was being moved on almost every play and there were chunks of yards versus, like, Syracuse where it almost seems like any big play kind of happens by mistake, um, <laughs> even though they happen, like, just often enough where you're like, okay, no, this offense actually has something. Well, we look um, at the points per game and you look at the points per, like, points per play, points per drive, like, and that's that's all efficiency numbers, obviously. But like the points per game stuff, like which is not really efficiency focused, it's just outputs. Like under Babers, other than the the pit game, which we still lost, like the first pit game, obviously. Like 
this team doesn't look like world beaters at any stage. And that's not a knock on Babers. It's a knock on the, the, the execution on the field where, like, this team just can't seem to... It can't seem to, to, to repeat something enough to say, like, okay, we can rely on that every game. Yeah, I still think the offensive line, which we, we've, you know, uh, commended for improving during the year. Especially not after not last game. week. Not last week. And Miami's really, really <sighs> good up front. Um, but so, that, that was, you know, a really rough performance. And, and it's hard to get any kind of rhythm or consistency when, you know, Dungey has to, he doesn't really know what he's going to face in terms of a rush every game. Um, I'm looking at Bowling Green's 2015 advanced stats um, just because I was interested to see what the what the offensive percentiles looked like um, for a team that was like really rolling in his system. Yeah. And when they were playing, uh, let's so against Mac opponents, so basically their peer group, um, 89, 94, 95, 84, 97, uh, a slight dip for a couple of games, 76 to 59, 81, 89, and then 73 against Georgia Southern, which is so, after Papers so, so, so still much better. So, but yeah, but they were consistently in the 80s and 90s right. versus uh, Syracuse now, which um, you know was 90 and 89 against the two uh, teams that we beat the early the early wins, but then 19 in Central Michigan, and then it's kind of been consistent actually in between the, the mid to high 30s and the mid to high 40s, um, and then Miami dropped all the way to 18, which a lot of that has to do with the first half with a one percent chance to win. With a one percent chance to win, and if you watch that game, Syracuse had a much higher than one percent chance to win with like four minutes left. So, and if that that one ball had gotten picked off, then that oh god, poor Rodney Williams. Yeah. You know what? I Rodney's actually played really well lately. I think that's like a yeah. No, I I feel bad because like he's probably that probably haunts him a bit. It, yeah, well, it's it's like an unsung like narrative of the season. I I kind of want to talk to Julian about it because I feel like he'll have more to say on it. Like Rodney Williams is oddly like. He was kind of demoted at the beginning of the season, but he still saw the field plenty, and then he got to jump in. Like Rodney's been like one, like I've always been a big Rodney Williams fan, even when he got like burned in the early parts of his career. Like he's been like a really good player for us. Like even if the execution like hasn't always been there, the like the want and ability has always been there, and like he's just been he's been a a. A long-time member of the secondary, even if the again the, the numbers haven't always backed up his you know execution on the principles of our always kind of shifting secondary. Rodney Williams has kind of uh, kind of improved along with the secondary as a whole. Uh, we've seen this kind of trajectory with the secondary overall this season, and he's he's right you know he's kind of smack dab in the middle of that as a pretty consistent performer um, both in the struggles last year and and now that the team is. Pretty, uh, pretty decent on that in, in that regard, um, where we really didn't expect it to say they, you know, they had some depth. But last year, that you know, we couldn't cover anyone, and this year, it's it's a much different story, and he's he's definitely a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, we have our we have our moments where we can't cover anyone, and those happen like two or three times a game. Um, it just so happened that like in the Clemson game, they couldn't connect. I would bet that against Louisville, when those happen, they won't be able to connect. But against in the Miami game, they were sort of able to connect. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of going to happen. I would bet that it happens, it works out against Florida State, too. I think for Louisville, it's really going to be whether or not we're able to, you know, defend Lamar Jackson. Um, we really, to our benefit, I guess, we really haven't faced for a full game a healthy mobile quarterback. I don't really think it's going to go well if we do. Hi, Lamar Jackson, once again. Yeah, it's a concern. I mean, um, Obviously, Bryant would have been that because he's such a good runner, but he was so hobbled that he was forced into the pocket and, you know, he got teed off on there. 
I will say, like, if we get a, do- a really good defensive line performance where we can kind of contain Lamar into the middle of the field as much as possible, maybe we can have some success because Louisville just, loves the line is I not very good. I don't buy it, if only because Miami, like, Rozier's not as mobile as Lamar, and he still pretty much did whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah. No, it's just, I mean, no one's really stopping Lamar Jackson, so I'm not going to bet on it, but... Um, Louisville's also had some really like awful performances this year. Yes. Uh, so, Terrible ones. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to totally write off that game, even though I do think that's probably our toughest game left on the schedule based on what we've seen so far. I mean, Louisville just beat Florida State pretty. Uh, they won by three, but it was it. Yeah, it I thought they controlled the game. Yeah, it didn't, didn't really look that close. And yeah, I, was, I couldn't remember it was only a three point game until I just looked it up mid sentence. But it's not to hate um, on our friends at Florida State either. I mean, they know they know just as well as we do, and everybody else does that they, they've struggled. Yeah, it's just a bad year for them, and then there's been some some ridiculous uh, like questions about Jimbo. At, like, I don't know. I feel like some fan bases are just getting like this isn't shouldn't be a surprise. It's college football, but like some specific big time fan bases like Florida State and Michigan are getting kind of ridiculous with some pretty. I mean, Florida State struggles are are you can explain the Michigan just you know they were always going to be down this year. I don't know why everyone like thought that wouldn't happen. Why? Because they beat Florida. Like Florida's not any good. So. Um, but FSU, yeah, there have been, like, from, from not from, like, ridiculous Florida State fans, not, like, you know, normal ones who have brains. Right. But there have been questions about Jimbo. It's like, come on, man. He, like, they lost a, a, you know, borderline Heisman candidate, uh, or at least preseason Heisman, like, hype quarterback in, what, halfway through the first game of the year? Like, yeah, and someone who could, like, help you deal with the offensive line struggles that we knew you would have. So, right. yeah, so putting a freshman behind that offensive line and now everyone's just going to blitz. Like, the same thing would happen, I mean, knock on wood, would happen to us if Dungy went out um, and we ended up with, you know, either Mahoney, but to more extent, like Rex. Like, every, everyone knows exactly what you're getting with that offensive line. Blitz and see what happens. And when you have, you know, quarterback like Francois or Dungy or name any other really, I mean, Lamar Jackson, like, player, really good players that play behind really bad offensive lines, um, they're able to still make things happen, but if you have someone who's inexperienced and not really as good, just from a again like just gameplay standpoint, not necessarily a talent level standpoint, um, these sort of things happen. And you know, uh, I know somebody mentioned in the comments, and I really hope this doesn't come true, that it would be the most Syracuse thing ever to beat both Clemson and Florida State, a thing we never thought we could in the same season, and then make, not make a bowl game. <laughs> yes, that would be a very Syracuse thing. Please let it not be this year. That's one of those things that I really hope doesn't happen, but, like, in, like, four months, I would probably look back on it and have to appreciate how it happened. Yeah, like, like oh, it's of like, course. Of course you did that. Remember we beat Florida State to go up to 5-4 and four and then uh, lost to Wake, Louisville, and BC? In the, yeah. In the, in oh, the, the Big East, the Big East and might as well have been Big East Bowl. Oh, that, God, that would, be, that would be so awful. That would be so Syracuse. That would. Like, that really is the most Syracuse thing that could happen. Uh, from here on out like going four and eight like you'd be like okay that's that you know that stunk beating florida state which obviously florida state isn't you know has their own problems but still winning a game uh, at florida state and then going on to lose those three games in a row just be so <laughs> so traumatizing and i really don't want to i don't look forward to that possibility or the takes that would follow no i'm not about that life at all let's just not let's not do that that said what i would like to take out of this is can we can we, like, will into existence, like, just some, some belief that Wake Forest was in the Big East and, like, left with us? 
Um, like some like weird like alternative like fan fiction. Yeah, you know, uh, you, like uh, like like uh, every day should be Saturday's thing where Auburn was is is an ACC team. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird though, because like, well, I don't know. I feel like Wake could have been like an early Big East, like an OG Big East team. Yeah, and then we I don't think it would have been a. Yeah, I don't think it would have fit in with like the USF uh, or, amalgamation. Or, or, or could they have? I mean, on the field they could have, but like as a as a university, like nah, they wouldn't have been about that. Yeah. They would have rather been independent. That's true. They're but very it, pub- They're very private. Like we're a private school. Wake Forest is like oh, they're, they're a super private, private school. They are the like a very very private school. Yeah, as, I mean, you and I, I'd say, of, of most Syracuse fans, probably have more knowledge of Wake Forest than most, <laughs> for for some odd reason, and that's why it's almost perfect that we host this podcast. Um, but yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely throw. Let, let's let's just say that happened. Let's say Wake Forest was in there from like, okay, how about this? Wake Forest was there from like ninety two to, from ninety two to ninety nine, and we threw them out. And then when they got good again, along with Temple, we just tossed them. Yeah, and well, because because we we invited Temple, we we tossed Temple in two thousand three. So let's say that that we tossed Wake in ninety nine, and then we invited them back in oh seven after the uh, after the the ACC championship season, <laughs> and they actually said yes, um, and then they left with us again. Or should we say no? Actually, let's screw that. Let's not let's not do that. Let's say let's say they were there from ninety two and ninety nine. We tossed them, and then they ended up in the AC. See, I really want them to be there for that like for the, for those really lean years, but they actually ex- accomplished a lot in the ACC during those lean years. So it's kind of tough to make this happen. Yeah, they were like some like they were salvaging straps as like a Mad Max uh, ancillary character on the side of the road. They're like, oh, that guy's doing pretty well. Yeah, no one else has any water, and everyone's huffing gasoline. But you know, Wake Forest. <laughs> Over there selling selling spare tires, having a pretty decent time. Yeah, you. Uh, they understand economies of scale, and uh... <laughs> so I'm imagining now Wake Forest University in a Mad Max universe, which is just they're like by far the least fitting school for that. And but... Jim Grobe, no, in hindsight, Jim Grobe, Wake Forest, that's exactly what they were. Oh, the football program again. The football program, yes. Yes, the, the university, absolutely not. Our quarterback just got hurt. Here's another one. It's the appearances. He's the of... same. Yeah, it's. It's it's actually a very good analogy for America. The, the appearances of it from the outside, sure. Well oiled, well oiled private school internally. Ooh, there are some. So if you're wondering if this is if this is a bye week, uh, yes. Yes, this is. <laughs> this is a bye week. Yeah, since we've been in 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 Wake Forest fanfic world for about three and a half minutes now. Yes, of what is actually like our 40th minute of recording, even though it's only the 19th minute of this podcast. Figure that one out, everyone. <laughs> a little, cu- little cutting room floor action. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, to get to the actual topic at hand, um, Syracuse at 4-4. Four and four, I think we're both happy about it. I feel like a lot of fans are not. I feel like Eric Dungy is not. And I could understand why the people aren't, but I could also... I could almost guarantee you that, you know, in uh, on Earth 2, that if Syracuse doesn't lose to Middle Tennessee, they almost definitely lose to Clemson. I, I uh, It's so hard to, like, actually quantify that, but I kind of buy the notion. I buy the theory. Even if it doesn't, like, hold up to, like, real scrutiny, like, I get why that feels like the case. Well, I think it's a motivational thing. Like, I mean, Babers has, like, kind of half-assedly addressed it, like, and rightfully so, like... 
Middle Tennessee showed you you could bleed, and then you kind of got to hit reset on the season after two games, which is not a luxury a lot of teams have. Yeah, and also, like, I think there is something for, obviously, college football, like, it's the, school, the, the sport you want to lose in least, but um, there might have been something to, like, just getting the, the weird, like, having not lost yet monkey off your back early so that you could maybe sneak up on people. Because if we were not undefeated, but, if, like, with one or two losses heading into Clemson, like, I don't know that the Tigers would have handled approached that game the same way either. Yep. See, see Hurricanes, comma, Miami. Team that we were not sneaking up on in any way, shape, or form. Nope. And now we don't have the luxury ever again, so, or at least not for the foreseeable future. So, As long as Dino's coach, no. That's, uh, that's not something we're going to be able to do. No. But, um, yeah, you know, this kind of feels early, but why don't, we, why don't we have time this thing a little bit? I'm, I'm with it. It's not like we have a, a game to break down. We've already it's talked about our Wake Forest fan fiction for, you know, <laughs> yeah. the podcast, as, as, much as, as was always planned. Of course. Yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we discuss some beer? Cool. Um, so I went to Single Cut uh, over in Queens on Sunday and yeah. tried a bunch of new stuff from them. Um, they had a new IPA called the Punk with the Stutter, which was pretty solid. Not quite as good as their uh, their more signature ones, uh, Weird and Gilly, which is one of my favorites. Super super hazy, which I had, and also I didn't actually have one of their uh, uh, what is it that I got a growler of. Um, Soft spoken natural spells, spells, by the way, which is like their one of their signature cool, IPAs, yeah. which I have a growler of sitting in my fridge. As New York's growler fill laws, are they just like just bring it in and we'll fill it? Most places. So lucky. Um, California's yeah. just so shitty about that. What what is it like? You... No, like like on, on paper it says like any any non clear container in like a defined like. 32 ounce or 64 ounce and you can do whether it's screw top or swing top but everybody decides that like they don't want to always follow that so like there's a bunch of places that only fill their own stuff there's a bunch of places that um that will fill others if you put tape on it there's ones that'll only fill blanks there's ones that only fill screw tops and only fill swing tops and like you go down to texas you can walk into a gas station and get a fill of like a local ipa for like six bucks yeah, I mean, usually if I have uh, a growler, that means I, I go to the place like at least once in a while, so yeah. I'll, I'll just bring their growler so I haven't encountered an issue. Um, but I don't think uh, it's super hard and fast uh, in New York for that. Um, I've got there's so many brewery, have, there's so many breweries here, and I have three different growlers that I have to use. So I had those two, and then I also tried their. Uh, more cowbell milk stout, which was very smooth. Um, you know, if you like milk stouts, definitely uh, a very solid one, even though that's mostly uh, more of an IPA and a sour brewery. Um, and then I had uh, Rosetta by uh, Omegang later on in the day, uh, which is uh, kind of a fruity, uh, strong lambic. It's it, super interesting. Actually, a little more alcoholic than most lambics, uh, which I feel like generally trend uh, a little lighter. This one's uh, yeah. almost 6%. Um, that's, yeah, that's definitely but, the high end for Lambics. I'm usually yeah. I'm usually seeing that in the four to five range. Really like full body flavor too. Um, drinks more like a beer than a lot of Lambics do. Um, so nice effort from Omegang. Uh, I also had a key lime pie goza from Westbrook, which was delicious. Like yeah. really, like uh, really, really tasted like key lime pie and in a in a good way that worked. Um, but you got like all those different flavors and all those notes and uh, but not like you know to be obnoxious. I'll tell, uh, my, uh, had... I'll tell my brother to snag that for me for my, uh, my upcoming visit to the Carolinas. 
yeah, I'll be down there uh, tomorrow. So hopefully, I, I mean, there's so much Westbrook there now uh, everywhere. So hopefully I can find it. Because I hadn't seen that before. I don't know if that's new by them. Um, and then I also had an innocent gun, which uh, don't find everywhere, but I always enjoy a nice, uh, you know, bourbony uh, cast barrel innocent gun. Uh, so pretty decent beer weekend I, or week, I get, I'd say. Nice. Uh, I started my uh, my beering on Friday, as one usually does. I uh, buddy of mine's a big Astros fan. He's from uh, Houston area, so uh, met up with him. Brought our uh, brought our dogs. My wife uh, joined us as well, and we uh, yeah we watched the Astros Yankees game that day. And uh, Monkish had a bunch of IPAs on, so I had uh, their vocabulary spills. It was double IPA. Uh, Beats is infinite. Uh, which is probably one of their better ones on right now, and then uh, Foggy Window, which has become, uh, despite them having a real like rotating cast of characters on the uh, IPA tap list, Foggy Window has become was one of the OGs for them, and it's become a bit of a uh, of a not staple, but but one of their better works. Um, had uh, from Brewery Toro, uh, Pomeroo. It's uh, not exactly an apple cider. It's more of like a sour apple, like a very subdued. I think it was only like 4.5% um, ale. Um, then after the Syracuse game on Saturday, had a future started yesterday. Um, was a sour from Monkish. Went out to uh, Laurel Tavern on Sunday uh, over in Hermosa Beach. Had a Stone Ripper uh, pale ale and had a San Diego uh, pale ale, 394 from uh, from Ale Smith, and then I was at the World Series last night and had just a dose of because, sure, whatever. Fun game though. Yeah, you had a good one, and and you know you're out in two and a half hours, which was absolutely mind blowing. I spent more time in my car to and from the event than I did in the stands watching. <laughs> uh, really, really busy. Like, I, I can't remember the last baseball game at all. Like, I've been to some quick baseball games where you're like, oh, it was like 303. That's pretty good. Like, for a World Series game, yeah. obviously the pitching was, was incredible on both sides. But, man, like, what a what a nice, like, change of pace. And I'm, I'm not one who drives su- super, like, all that much about the length of baseball games. But it, it was nice to see uh, see Window by that quickly and still, you know, be a pretty fulfilling experience. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I would be able to conceptualize that so much better if not for the traffic. Where? Yeah, well, that's, a, that's an L.A. thing, I'm assuming. Just, oh, I mean, it was, it was so goddamn bad. Well, the thing is, too, like, most, I think at this point, like, almost every ballpark but this one, like, sees this. Like, for those who haven't been to L.A. or haven't been to Dodger Stadium, Dodger Stadium is nowhere near anything literally nothing <laughs> like so it's not like your typical urban stadium where you kind of like roll up via public transport like there's public transport to get there but you're not taking it and you just kind of end up you know just driving quite a bit i mean i, I live like 16 miles from dodger stadium it doesn't sound like a lot out here that's an eternity like that is that is all the miles i uh I planned on taking a, a shuttle from South Bay, which is, again, not close, uh, up to Dodger Stadium last night. And I can't believe I'm just ranting about this. But again, bye week, um, where I was going to take that shuttle, but I, I rolled up at, at, at you know about 2.55 p.m. for a 5 o'clock start out here um, and rolled up to the, the, the metro area and not a single, uh, not a single parking spot, 
at, uh, at 255. And on top of that, there was a line like wrapped several times around the, uh, around the building to get onto a bus. So I, uh, I quickly bought a, uh, a, a parking pass online because it's $30 in advance, $50 at the door. Um, so quickly bought that, and then the, the Google Maps said 52 minutes, so I was, uh, I was okay with that. I could deal with that. Um, but when I, uh, when I looked again, um, when I was about two and a half miles from the stadium, it told me that it was then still another 44 minutes to the stadium. Um, and I, I drove well more than eight minutes to get to that point, so uh, I knew I was in for a. Uh, I knew I was in for quite the experience, on, uh, unfortunately. So uh, finally got there around 4:50. <laughs> quite a bit of time in the car, <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, I had to sit in about two hours of traffic after the game as well. So 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 much fun. So much fun. Yeah, like, taking the 7 back from Mets game can be rough, and it's crowded and, like, uncomfortable. It's not that, though. And, you know, the, the train could de- de- delay and break down, but it's still, like, you're going to be back to Midtown in probably 45 minutes at the absolute worst, and that's, like, if everything goes wrong. So, yeah, not that. I've, uh, driven, I s- I've driven to and from Bridgeport, like, with the Mets game in between, and it wasn't that bad. Yeah, and that's like a solid. I mean, going all the way to Bridgeport if there's no traffic, like that's still almost an hour if you're flying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's still my. I mean, I've I'm in LA in years, but um, it's like mind blowing to me that like public transport. I know it's like kind of on the way. Maybe they're kind of doing something. Yeah, it's it's getting better, but like the the again the the the, the geography 101 uh, of LA is that like. Dodger Stadium is near zero things, and that uh, that kind of becomes a problem when it comes to big events like this, where there are only like two or three entrances and exits. So at one point, I was just like sitting in my car on my phone at the end of the game because a nobody was going to stop me from doing it, and b it's not like it mattered because I wasn't moving anywhere. For again, like upwards of forty-five minutes, I spent just in the parking lot. Are they planning to do anything uh, at Dodger Stadium for the Olympics? Um, I guess it depends on the sports that'll be there. Uh, so if uh, if baseball's back in and like softball or whatever, like if those things are part of it, then sure, yeah. Um, LA's doing that wacky kind of like, hey, we're gonna have like four or five campuses um, that you'll 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 maybe be able to. Like I I think I'm just gonna I think I'm just gonna board up the doors of my house. And, uh, and and just stay here for that like two and a half three week stretch. <laughs> when when New York was like kind of involved with I forget what year it was like we were just planning on renting <laughs> like we're just like we're gonna just go I'm gonna go back to Connecticut we'll just uh, put our place on Airbnb and make uh, probably a quarter of the year's rent yeah that would be nice yeah you, you know what like that wouldn't be a bad idea here if only because uh, like. A bunch of the uh, a bunch of the game, well, a bunch of the events and everything. You got some stuff in Long Beach, some stuff in Carson. Um, those are near-ish to Redondo Beach. So yeah, I mean maybe uh, we're very far out from that. Obviously, 2028 is not anywhere near now. So we'll see. Maybe I'll just stay with my in-laws in Orange County if they're still there um, in Orange County for uh, for for a week and a half, two weeks. I love that the Olympics like is. 
the only thing that like makes college football scheduling seem I mean it's about the same it's not even like makes it look better it just makes it look like not the only thing that schedules out in ridiculous amounts of time equally amounts of dumb yeah I mean I get they have to like build stadiums usually which is a whole other issue we don't like, though LA is yeah, being, that's the nice very, thing about LA. being very smart yeah. about this we uh, the only it way it seem like this one will make kind of sense which compared to most places since we are the only city that wanted it literally um, we uh, we decided to uh, to make this kind of idea all surrounding um, efficiency, not really building anything. Anything that we are building, we're taking it right down. So we're we're kind of we're erecting these sort of temporary stadiums and and signage areas and villages that can be taken right down. It's still going to cost us money, but it might actually be profitable. Um, so that's that's good. That, uh, it kind of intersects with my other writing. For uh, for those who, those who might know, one Sean Keeley, um, and I think that would be all of you. He uh, could you imagine a day when somebody reads Noons and has no idea who Sean is? I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> but I think I think the site will die before that. No, I think it's referenced randomly enough in like posts and comments that you would hope that, that wouldn't happen anytime soon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> anyway, uh, for those who don't know, I do randomly write for Sean on Neighborhoods.com. Uh, I write about L.A. real estate, and a lot of that intersects with the Olympic stuff, especially because um, a lot of the Olympic stuff also involves public transportation, as Dan alluded to. And uh, yeah, we have somehow been in a 13-minute halftime. <laughs> sure, whatever. And we didn't bring up Tulane once. And now we did. Um, I wrote an article about Tulane cursing them with, uh, with, uh, with stuff, and right after that, loss, loss. They, uh, they just couldn't help me out. However, they, they did. They hung in there. Like, they played pretty, pretty tough against uh, USF. Was it, were they against UCF or USF? Last USF. Time? They really did. They, yeah. yeah, they actually tested, uh, tested the Bulls quite a bit. They lost by six. I think they're. I, I could be wrong. I'm gonna look it up now while I'm talking, uh, and, and maybe completely invalidate. I think they're three and four, but I think they're doing pretty well against the spread, which is uh, often a thing you see with uh, kind of weird teams like that. And like Syracuse, who is five one and one against the spread. Yes, also like Syracuse, who I was very tempted on betting on uh, last week with that huge line, and then I haven't bet on a game for or against Syracuse all year, and I'm like, I'm not going to start now. Um, Boom! Did it again. Yeah, I'm not, so I can't bet on Syracuse. I can't bet against Syracuse. I'm not doing anything. I am leaving it alone. Cannot fault you there. Yeah, Syracuse is 5-101 against the spread this year. They have not lost since the uh, Middle Tennessee game. I would say that that kind of mimics the uh, the faith that fans do or don't have on Syracuse, where, uh, yeah, five, I, I, yeah, last five games, I, I would say we've been, uh, we've been locked in on the, uh, well, in, in the faith department, or at least, or at least since testing LSU, I think we've been pretty locked in. Tulane is now five and two against spread, uh, almost after the same. covering ten and a half uh, against USF, um, losing thirty four twenty eight. I'm super interested to see what the Syracuse spread is against Florida State. Uh, obviously, some of that'll be predicated on what does Florida State have this weekend. Uh, yeah, something down, probably BC. Uh, yeah, they have BC tomorrow night. Oh, no. <laughs> tomorrow night? Oh God, is that a is that a Friday night game? It might be. Oh no. I think it might it might be. Hold on. What's is there a game is, Oh Jesus Christ. Oh it's is. Wednesday. I thought it was Thursday for some reason. It's, no, but it's uh, a Friday, Friday night game. Oh, yeah. we're talking this podcast posts on Thursday. 
So tomorrow night would be Friday. Oh, Stanford God. plays tomorrow night. Stanford plays tonight. Yes, I'm so. speaking on Wednesday, but you're listening on Thursday. Stanford plays tonight. <laughs> I forgot how days worked. That's fine. <laughs> also, Tulane also plays on Friday night uh, against Memphis. Uh, Memphis a 10.5 point favorite, which actually like seems like a, a spread that is taking into account how good Tulane is at covering, because Memphis should probably be a bigger favorite. And I, yeah, Memphis going to win just that game. With the, uh... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Tulane. Oh, Memphis is a win. I'm just interested to see if Tulane covers it. Yeah. Stanford faces that's Oregon not, State. Oh, God. There will with be maybe, blood. Maybe without Bryce Love, though. Really? He might be out, yeah. Why? I'm writing about him as we speak. Um, he, uh... he tweaked his ankle against Oregon and apparently is still not 100% even though they had a bye to see if like a pediatric final he has to... <laughs> <laughs> it's like sorry guys got a test this uh... <laughs> Stanford players just half the team stiffs the Oregon State game to study <laughs> oh, and God. they still win by 34 no one needs see, well I mean at least this is such bullshit <laughs> a, a no one on the east coast has watched anything Bryce Love's done since. It's so annoying because, like, I, I love Saquon Barkley as a player. Bryce Love's numbers are so much more ridiculous. Dude, this and is they, just like the Derrick Henry shit where, like, yeah. where, like, McCaffrey should have been the Heisman winner, but nobody west of, like, Las Vegas, nobody east of Las Vegas voted for him for the Heisman. It's wild. Just, like, it's not that hard. And I, Barkley's amazing. And if Barkley wins the Heisman, which he's probably going to, like, I, I'm not going to have that huge a problem with it. Uh, Barkley has 757 yards and eight touchdowns. He's gone over 100 yards three times in seven games. Like, and he had a 211 at Iowa, which is super impressive. It's the only reason they won. Um, and I know he's rested a lot. And they've not a Heisman like, winner. I get it. Let's talk to Bryce Love. He's averaging 10.3 yards a carry for the year. He has three more touchdowns than Saquon. He has almost double the yardage that Saquon has in just 20, uh, not even 18 more attempts. Like, it's it's jarring. How, how good his numbers are. And while Saquon has Trace Mitzorley, a very good quarterback uh, play, who has, you know, he's had a mixed year, but generally a very good quarterback who's a, a threat, uh, Bryce Love does not have that. Bryce Love is the entire offense. Yeah. So, and I know that they lost two games early, who and cares? I know that they're on the West Coast. Who cares? It's an individual award. We gave it to RG3 once. We gave it to goddamn Paul Hornan once. Obviously, all Syracuse fans know about that. Ooh. It's an individual award. Bryce Love's numbers are if they were if he had like three hundred more yards than Saquon, I'd be like, okay, whatever, Saquon's team is really good. He has almost double the amount of yardage. Right. <laughs> like it's insane. Roll damn and, card. And he has six point five yards of carry to ten point three, eleven touchdowns versus eight. Uh, and like this doesn't take anything away from Barkley. Barkley's awesome and he's gonna be uh, probably one of the top five picks and he, I think he's gonna be really good in the NFL. All of that is my is Giants are totally probably fine. Yeah, maybe. They, they need a running game. They need more than that, play. though. Uh, they need a lot more than that. But come on, guys. Like, this isn't that hard. Just put the numbers against each other. And it's not like, you know, the Big Ten, uh, especially with a down Michigan, is that much better than the Pac-12 slate. Like, it's pretty comparable in terms of the opponents they've played thus far. Um, Michigan's defense is really good. But, like, you know, Barkley had 108 yards and he averaged 7.2 and had two touchdowns and some big plays. Like, that's a really good game. Love had 300 yards in Arizona State, which doesn't look like the worst team ever. He had 152 yards at Utah, which is a really tough place to play. Like, this is crazy. So, I, I'll, yeah. you, know, you know that I will always stump for any player or anything, really, that happens um, 
west of Texas because I know that ESPN has decided to actively stump against anything that happens west of Texas. I Chris Peterson nods. Yeah. I think for the first time maybe ever, and again, don't have the data back this up, but uh, I think for the first time ever, we're probably not going to see game day come west of Texas, and it's only happened once where they've even been uh, west of the eastern time zone this year. Um, ample opportunities in recent weeks. Uh, they went to James Madison uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they easily could have gone to either, you know, USC, fine, whatever, or they could have even gone to San Diego State uh, back when they were undefeated, decided not to do that. Um, they, uh, instead of going to any of the of the very good games this week, they will instead involve Penn State for the second straight week. Um, whatever. I don't really care. I can't really blame them for going to Penn State, Ohio State, because of the ramifications of that game in terms sure. of the national snail. But I haven't looked at like the full uh, like going ahead to see where they might end up, but it would be kind of a shame if they don't get to highlight like something out west. And I know I that this. Washington and USC losing early is tough, but... Before like, they there's lost, a lot of football no. to be played. Yeah, even even so. Like there's a lot of football to be played, so okay. to, I guess uh, we will we will see. I guess so 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 to put a period on the other things. Anyway, um, even if even if Bryce Love uh, plays or played, depending on your perspective, um, Stanford is going up to Oregon State. That game will kick at nine Eastern. So, again, even if he did play, you weren't watching it anyway, unless... Nope. Unless it's me. Um, you see, it would have been fun if Oregon State was good, if only because you could have had the, uh, what could stop a tree against beavers, uh, like, type, like, bullshit joke that would have, <laughs> that would have ensued. But no, since, uh, since Oregon State is a, is a tire fire, that wouldn't have mattered anyway. Um, still, roll damn card. I uh, I am a noted Stanford supporter for uh, for reasons unknown. Lovely campus. Big fan of hanging out around Palo Alto and on their campus in general. Uh, when I lived up, John's in just trying to get that venture capital money. There it is. All about that VC life. When uh when I lived up in San Francisco and I did not enjoy living up in San Francisco. Uh, one of the things that I used to do quite a bit and I. I feel like I've told, talked about this all the time. Uh, one of the things I used to do was uh, used to hang out on college campuses because I couldn't stand being in, in San Francisco. So I'd, I would spend quite a bit of time at Stanford and at Cal just just for the hell of it. I love checking out uh, college campuses when I'm in a new town. So one of my favorite I don't things. like that at all. I mean, Dude. I walk through Columbia all the time because I'm like a mile away. So noted football power, Columbia. <laughs> new York's college team. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, one of yeah one of the major things I do uh, on any any trip is uh, is stop into a college campus. It's uh, one of my favorite things. I uh, even worked in some Northwestern the uh, the one time I was in Chicago, just to make sure it happens. I have worked in places like Vandy. Um, hmm, where else? Anyway, quite a few places, but. Uh, how did we get here? Oh, wait. No, it's because we started talking about weekday football. Um, Florida State is going at BC. I am not looking forward to this at all. 
Um, really hope Florida State beats BC because if it does not happen, uh, the Florida State will probably beat us instead. That and also like, I'm I'm not I don't know that like BC is actually good, but the last two weeks have been so definitive that I'm like kind of scared about this whole BC thing. The and, line's and, three and, points. Yeah, like BC's offense is putting put up a lot of points two weeks in a row, and it's weird because like there's a difference between like a a you know a turnaround like Syracuse has kind of had over the last year and BC like three weeks ago versus what we think of as BC now because the two games have been really jarring. Um, so I kind of hope that's been a blip because uh, I don't want to play the BC team that hung, that beat Louisville by, what, like 30? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't want to play that team. I don't play that team. I don't think Florida State wants to play that team. Like, what's Florida State's record right now? Two and four? If Florida State loses this game, <laughs> they would be two and five and playing for their bowl lives against us because they only have 11 games this year yeah that's a pretty scary notion as well i didn't even think about the fact they lost a team which kind of makes their their try i mean i don't know that like missing a, missing a bowl would be embarrassing i don't know that it means all that much to them yes, it honestly does. they have like a 38 year bowl streak oh you're right oh that's terrible why did that happen damn it. that's brutal i wish that wasn't the case see because Here's the problem with this goddamn game. Okay. Um, if Florida State wins, fine. They are 3-4. Three and four. They would be 3-3 three and three in the conference. Um, it would be... Um, actually, uh, it would be... They'd be 3-0 and oh on the road, and they would be 0-3 oh uh, at home. That's just bizarre. Just dumb. Um so uh, that would be one thing. Um, if BC loses this game, they would be four and five overall. Is that right? Um, I should just pull up the ACC standings while we're doing. No, I I did, and that's why I'm confused because I I didn't know that they uh, they were not really in much of a uh, a buy situation. Yeah, what, when, did, when was their bye? Never, apparently. Since they yeah, what the hell? What is this schedule? It's the dumbest schedule. I'm so confused. This is How did this happen? This is worse. <laughs> this is worse than a... Okay. Oh, no, they have one. It's uh, next week. It's after okay. Florida State. That's dumb. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I... okay. So BC's 4-4. Four and four. If they lose, they're... Four and five. If they win, they're five and four. And then they have NC State who's going to beat them, and then they have UConn who they should beat, uh, and then they have us. Okay. No, I think we're just going to do this for eternity, where uh, where us and BC are going to face each other with a ball on the line. Maybe for both of us. Who um, boy did not see this coming. Uh, uh, Definitely not ideal. No, uh, not ideal. I, I liked this a lot more when you know BC we, was just just trash, and we could not you know we could kind of pencil that one in. Even though penciling in any game for Syracuse is like still kind of stupid, but like at least that one felt like oh you know as long as we handle our business it should be fine. And yeah. Now 
um, coming off of the last two games, uh, which for those who are not intimately aware of Boston College's recent football uh, undertaking, they didn't beat Louisville by, by 40. They, they hung 40 on them. Uh, they beat Virginia by by 30, which is what I was I was mixing the two games up. They beat Louisville 45-42 in a weird thriller on the road. And which then they is went the same Virginia. as 30 points. Yes, and then they went to Virginia, who it was 5-1 and one entering the game and looked, and looked really good, and beat them 41-10 to 10 in Charlottesville. Um, so those are what, what the two things that have happened back-to-back, which is why BC is all of a sudden kind of like Sterry. And uh, even if that seems to still be the, you know, by far the best shot for uh, win number five, obviously that's the last game, but that's, that's our, our most likely win going forward still. Um, so if that's not a blip, then things get very interesting all around because, uh, and we'll, we'll learn a lot uh, with this Florida State BC game uh, on, well, tomorrow night. This is Thursday when you were listening to this. Yeah. And by learn a lot, we mean only maybe. As in only only potentially, and you might not even learn anything about the team you think you're going to. Um, oh, God, I hate this team. Uh, yeah, I, I always hate BC. I hate them even more now. Um, two weeks ago, I think, maybe even, maybe not even two weeks ago, um, S&P thought that, uh, that BC was trash. They still kind of think that, but not in the same way. Um, I think even a couple weeks ago, BC was like, I don't know, like 110th in the S&P. And that's fine. And we had like an 84% chance to beat them. That chance is down to like 68. <laughs> and don't love it. No, um... Now I will say, uh, their their running game is what is powering them, and I'm not saying that Syracuse is like, you know, some all-time great run-stopping team. But, but if I had to choose, well, we can stop the run. We've done it very well this year. Two straight um, weeks I, against very good running teams. Yes, I don't love. Uh, I mean, Anthony Brown has been uh, pretty good in spots, but I would much rather take uh, my chances with him trying to sling the ball on us uh, against uh, Dan and an improved passing defense than. Um, you know, having uh, their running game, which has been amazing the last two weeks. Um, so if we had to choose, like, what they have uh, in terms of, you know, weapons, I still think stylistically BC is a team that, you know, the matchup favors us. But, you know, I, I think Virginia and Louisville probably thought similar things and they got the ball run down the throats. So, again, we don't have to worry about this until, uh, like, a month from now. So hopefully things have shaken out positively and that game doesn't mean as much as it probably end up will meaning because why wouldn't it uh okay since we're not picking this game um actually okay we're not picking a syracuse game let's talk about this game a little bit more um, just in the sense of who's gonna win um okay not who's gonna win dan who do we want to win this game uh do we florida state I, I don't want florida state like you said i don't want them desperate against us I want like the the axis of the world to like feel like it's back uh, on its normal uh, tilt, um, rather than Florida State being two and five entering a game with us and BC and literally needing to win out to make a bowl and BC um, being five and four and very potentially needing our game uh, for a bowl. So I think if we just you know that still might end up being the case, but but give me a Florida State win. Let's like get return the universe to its rightful place for for a bit here. Okay. I'm fine with that. I think Florida State's going to win the game. I'm not as hold on it as I was as recently as like an hour ago, but whatever. Um, the problem with BC winning this game, 
If BC wins this game, they are probably probably going to be six and five going into our game. Maybe, probably. So if they win this game, they'll be five and four. Uh, adding UConn, probably be they they'd probably be six and five. Yeah. And then if they lose, they'll probably be five and six. They'll probably be five and six. Now the problem with that, of course. If we both go into that goddamn last game at five and six, what's worse, I guess? Having BC already clinched a bowl or having BC need a bowl? I would say having them need a bowl. Little Obviously, I still think they would play hard to try to get to win number seven because, like, these things don't just, like, cap off. Like, you do want to get to the best bowl possible. Right. But I think you would have a much hungrier BC team, especially if, like, I think if they get to five, if, it's, if they're five and six, I think Adazio's job is probably fairly secure given the youth of that team and some of the big wins they picked up. But you don't want to, like, have them lose to Florida State, lose to NC State, beat UConn, but then, like, look like things have returned to normal and have Adazio still have question marks about his job and then need a win at Syracuse to basically play for Adazio's job, potentially. That would be a, a bad spot for us, I think. Yeah. You, don't want, you don't want motivated players like that. Like, we saw that with Schaefer's last game. Obviously, he had already lost his job, but... We saw, you know, our, our guys go out there and, and play for him. Like, you just don't want that kind of motivation on a college football team uh, going against you if you can help it. 100%. Uh, but, yeah, this will either way sets up something fun and fun-ish <laughs> against BC in that last game. But, uh, yeah, much would much, much rather face a mildly motivated BC team than a very sort of motivated Florida State team. Sort of. Okay. I, I will say, this is, uh, we've had some weird podcasts in terms of topics. This is like an all timer. We really bounced around some, some strange places <laughs> with what we did here tonight. Here's the hilariously dumb part. Um, and again, inside baseball for everybody else. Well, you could you could have, could have had a mostly, mostly serious podcast uh, twice. Twice. Instead, you had a mostly not Syracuse podcast once, and lo and behold, that's the one you're going to get. I really think this was like the Groundhog Day of podcasts, and we just like really saw the we, we really explored the limits of what this podcast could be uh, tonight on a bye week. Uh, absolutely, uh, I think we might have <laughs> somehow, and again somehow. I think we talked about Syracuse more in the off-season, and I think every, every single off-season episode than we did in this one. I think it's that in our first two attempts to record, we got far enough into talking about Syracuse. Like, it wasn't like it just dropped, like, four minutes in. Just it was dropped, like, ten minutes in. And we're like, you know what? We, we talked about Syracuse. The, oh, the listeners didn't hear it, but we did. And that, that we're, we're doing this for ourselves. Like, this is a project for us, and everyone else who wants to tune in, that's fine. Um, but, yeah, we talked about Syracuse elsewhere, and those... Recordings are lost to the ether, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, so this is the podcast you get. It was uh, dumb. Um, I don't know if anyone will care about anything we talked about. But, you know, I, I think if, you, if you've listened to this for, you know, a couple of years now, you, you know that this is going to happen sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, again, you get what you get. <laughs> fine. Here we go. Again, fine. Um, if you want to close on a Syracuse note... Uh, for some reason, um, the Atlantic division is pretty much like the best, best 
road division in all of college football somehow i did not know that um yeah pretty much is true we are not only is syracuse the only team in the acc atlantic not to win a road game we're the only acc atlantic team not to win two road games that's that's like super strange (laughs) super super dumb um yeah Look, not that no. our opportunities have been that great. Like, no. we, we played Miami and NC State, so... No, but just in general. Just, just, not, even yeah, a, just, not, just not even ACC only. This is, overall, any road game. Oh, and LSU. So, it wasn't like... Our opportunities have been... Uh, Scarce. Yeah, not great. Obviously, we could have won all three of those games. But it's not like we had some... It's not like MTSU was on the road. Right. But yeah, look... look just indulge me for a second. And again... He, here's your Syracuse content. Enjoy. Um, NC State, 2-0 and on the road. Clemson, 2-1 on the road. Boston College, 3-1 and on the road. Oh, God damn it. Um, Louisville, 2-1 and on the road. Florida State, 2-0 and on the road. And, uh, and Wake Forest, 2-2 two and two on the road. And then Syracuse, 0-3. Oh that's, that's very strange. Just the dumbest, dumbest, dumbest goddamn standings you'll ever see um and also fun fact again before we leave um syracuse and georgia tech are the only teams yeah only teams in the acc to not have won a game on the road yet who i mean georgia tech has not that many only one i don't think either yeah so some of this is just like scheduling falling weird but it's actually weirder to me that that many have won two games and that that many have like the coastal's also like super coastly this year behind Miami, so some might argue the most coast. Yeah, I mean that happens. Um, so it just CCC is like a whole, a whole hot mess this year. College football is a whole hot mess this year. It is again, aside from Alabama. Alabama, not a mess. Alabama just doing what Alabama does. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I think that'll close us out, Dan. Somehow we made it to an hour, even though we never thought we would. It's amazing that we did, and I don't even know. I don't even know where this hour went. I'm not sure what we talked about. I know I mentioned Tulane as a joke once. Uh, then we actually talked about them for a bit. I know we talked about BC like for more than half this podcast, which is weird because we don't play them yet. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what do you? This is just. It was very <laughs> bye week. We we gave we gave the most bye week podcast we could we could do, and I I'm gonna say that's what we intended on, and I don't know that that's true, but it's it's what we did. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Troy News is an absolute podcast. Uh, roll damn Knowles. Go, go orange. Yes. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn, compare it to your neighbor's lawn, and complain about having to mow the lawn again. 
Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.